Welcome to the House Church Podcast, where we talk about church as family. I'm Daniel Sams. And I'm Christy Sams, and this is the House Church Podcast. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hey, good to see you on here, honey. Um, <laughs> I see that we have a guest with us today. We do. <laughs> You can hear that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a really good example of what our house church get-togethers are like, <laughs> that you never know when somebody's going to run in and talk and be cute and or scream or... <laughs> or hit another else. child. Or hit another child and have to be dealt with in that way. Um, mm -hmm. It's exciting times. Uh, appropriate that today we're talking about the church as family. And um, so I'm just going to kind of jump in here and then... Uh, set it up. And if you would, Christy, um, be ready to read Acts 2.42. Um, so well, I have it all memorized. You so have it all memorized. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> I'm um, just kidding, by the way. <laughs> so one of the things that I, I like to bring up when we talk about church, and I think, not just I think, often, almost universally, we have conversations with people who just feel like something is supposed to happen at church that isn't. And I think we've all probably experienced this or spoken to someone that's experienced this where they just said, wow, when I was in this time in my life that was a crisis, the church just didn't seem to know what to do. And people that weren't necessarily mean, but they just weren't necessarily there for me. Or in some cases, they experienced straight rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think... A, often we're coming in contact with people that are just saying, hey, something's not right. Like, this can't be what it's supposed to be. And usually, uh, having been in a position of church leadership in a traditional church, usually we just have the tendency to say, oh, well, maybe you're just not with the program. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's all right. So we struggle um, as church leaders even to know what to do about that. And most church leaders, if we're honest, say, wow, I feel lonely and I don't know that my church treats me like a family. And most people in churches can kind of, if they're honest, say, wow, this just something's not right. And so what we wanted to do is take a little bit of time to look into what Jesus commands for the church uh, in scripture and the descriptions we see of the church in the first century and say, okay, if we put everything aside, everything we thought we knew about church and just said, what do we need to do to be as biblical as possible to fulfill what God wants us to be? What would it look like? And so to do that, Christy, um, can I get you uh, to read Acts 2:42 through 46 um, and I've got a couple of things that I want to read as well, but are you ready for it? Yep. This is actually through 47. Oh, that's even um, better. Yep. Go for it. Okay. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Cool. 
So what we see described here is pretty amazing. The idea of being able to get together uh, on a regular basis, it says even day by day, that they were spending time fellowshipping with one another, they were breaking bread, uh, they were having meals together, and then it says that they were, they were selling things and covering each other's needs so that there was not a needy person among them. And um, it goes on to say that there were people coming to Christ on a regular basis, apostles were teaching, um, it was just pretty cool. Like what's described here sounds like a family, right? And so one of the first things I do is I say, you know, if we're looking at the book of Acts and we're seeing this description of the church when really great things were happening, would you say that your local church is reflective of this or that the traditional church in general is reflective of this? And if so, to what degree? Um, so, Christy, tell me maybe... Um, Maybe in relation to church in general, or maybe in relation to our specific church, how do you feel like the church reflects Acts 2.42? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's funny, as, we, as I'm reading through this, the thing that I, so I grew up in church, and I love church. Like, I, it was culturally what we did and my whole family went there, like my biological family, the people related to me and um, I loved it. And so I've had a hard time. And I think a lot of people have a hard time kind of detoxing is kind of the word we use from, is that really church or is that just something that we're culturally doing? And again, not all of those things are bad, but you know, are we doing what we're, you know, what God calls us to do as a church? And so, you know, a lot of these things I would say, well, we can't do that because it's just too many people. <laughs> and I think what we're doing now with house church is, it, you know, enabling us to do a lot of these things. And I think that's why some of the larger models, you know, struggle because they do get over, you know, you have so many people and then you have to run that, you know, machine in some sense. And there's got to be lights yeah. and, you know, electricity and everything. So, um, I mean, recently we added the meal. That was always kind of a tricky thing just because of logistics. And um, we, I think we've just decided to keep things simple and, like, stop trying to overcomplicate everything. And so, yeah, we eat a meal at every, um, at every meeting, whether it's morning, evening, lunch, whatever, um, as far as selling property, I haven't done that just yet, but, um, <laughs> but I think just meeting the needs. I mean, we've, we've definitely had people come forward with very practical needs and the church comes together and we are able to meet a lot of those needs or, you know, in whatever way that needs to happen. Um, and I would say yeah. both financially and otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing where people have a financial need, some by the church comes together to meet that financial need, but then also there's a connection made to help that person get a better paying job. And mm -hmm. then there's a family need where somebody is uh, spread too thin, taking care of ill family members and somebody else comes in and says, well, let's, let us help you with a meal. Let's do this. And um, it's the church functions as a family and pretty cool things happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I think another one would be isolation. People who don't have a lot of family around them and they just need to be with family. And that's one thing I think we can offer. We've got, you know, I think God blessed us with our home and we have more space now. And so, I mean, last week we had people in our house 
often. Yeah, <laughs> um, almost every day. In yeah. fact, that day by day thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't do that all. I mean, I think there's, we, yeah, that's a lot. And so that's not necessarily something we always, always do, but just knowing that sometimes that's, that's the need is to be family, like come over, play with our kids, you know, eat snacks with us and just tell jokes or play a game. And, you know, I think that that's been a really cool need that's been met. Yeah. So uh, another verse that comes up related to this whole concept of church's family is Ephesians 2.19, where it says that, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then we can look to like Matthew 12, 49 and 50, uh, where it says, and stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are, is, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. And we see, this is just a couple of examples, but multiple times through scripture, there's this description of God's people as a family. Uh, and that family setting uh, seems to play into even our witness in the community. Um, so we see John, Jesus, uh, as he's describing uh, in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so it seems that in that family setting and how we care for one another as family is a direct reflection of whether or not we're in the family of God. And it's a direct reflection on our witness to people who don't know the Lord. And so this whole thing of the church being family is a really important thing. It's not just a wouldn't that be nice. It's a no, no, no. This has to happen to be obedient to what Jesus has said. And so um, did you have any thoughts related to that, honey? Because it, it makes it a pretty serious thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, right. I don't have any <laughs> follow-up thoughts. So um, one of the things I would bring up um, when I was – I spent some time with We Are Church in San Francisco, um, which is another house church network that's been at it just a little bit longer than we have uh, and they directed us uh, to this, uh, this listing of passages on the one another's of Scripture. Um, uh, the document is called the 59 one another's of the New Testament. Uh, if you Google that, you'll probably find the PDF. But all these things where it's, it says serving one another in love, carrying one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2, being patient with one another in love, Ephesians 4.2. Um, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Ephesians 5.19. Um, bearing with each other, Colossians 3.13. Admonishing one another, Colossians 3.16. Building each other up, encouraging one another daily. Um, confessing sins to each other, James 5.16. Um, living in harmony with one another, 1 Peter 3.8. And then just the phrase, love one another shows up multiple, multiple times. And so um, what I see, you know, I'll talk to a lot of people from traditional churches and they'll say, sure, we can, we can do that here. We can do that here. Um, and I, my thing that I'll normally say is, all right, if I'm going to bear one another's burdens, if we're going to financially meet one another's needs, um, if we're going to be a family that genuinely encourages one another, 
is a traditional church setting with a song and a sermon where we sit in pews and stare at the back of each other's heads, is that the best thing for fulfilling the directions that Jesus gave us as the church? And I usually just kind of let people sit on that. Um, so I know it's preaching to the choir a little bit, but Christy, what are your thoughts? Do you think from, from the things we see in scripture, and we've just kind of barely touched on them, but all these things that describe what the church is supposed to be, do you think that those things can be fulfilled in a traditional church setting or even that that church is ideal for that, if it is even possible? Well, <clears throat> I think that, so the next, you know, the answer to that from, if you were to ask that question to someone they would say, well, that's why we have small groups. Um, and I would say that's probably what we would have said five years ago. <laughs> you know, um, you yeah. were a group faster. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we're try. a lot of people are trying. And I think, you know, I, I always want to make sure that we are communicating that we are not against any, I mean, we're not trying to, you know, you know whatever, sorry. <laughs> um, we don't hate the big church. We don't, we don't think it's wrong to be in a traditional church. We're just asking these questions. We're posing, is this the best way to do these things? And so, yeah, I think if we talk to a lot of pastors and we do talk to a lot of pastors and people in typical churches, they would say, yeah, we're trying to do this stuff. Um, And I think there's an element of just fear and uncertainty that comes in because it will shake up the the establishment it's like well if we stop if we start doing this house church thing well then what happens to like you know who's gonna do this and who's gonna watch the kids and who you know all these needs that we feel like we have and so it's I mean it's very tricky and I don't think we never want to make it seem like this is such an easy thing why can't you all get it you know it's taken us a while and if anyone knows me I'm I'm very much of a routine planned structured boundaried person <laughs> and it's it's yeah. challenged me i mean i think it's challenged you too and um yeah. challenges most people but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it so i think we do need to wrestle with a lot of these questions and know to answer the question i don't think the larger um church can do this in the best way um because we are focused on yeah. especially you know we've not talked about this as much but the one person that speaks on Sunday and, you know, it makes me think of, you know, the whole old Testament of where the Israelites wanted a King, you know, they want someone to quote unquote worship. And, um, and I'm not saying that that's what everybody's doing. That's you're worshiping your pastor, but it does get tricky when everything kind of rises and falls on this one person. And I, we've seen a lot of people really look at, well, I don't, I, I don't really know if I can understand the Bible. I need my pastor to teach me. And yes, there's absolutely an element of teaching. It's one of the spiritual gifts. Pastors are called to teach and to do a lot of different things, but have the ability to read scripture. And we do have the ability to hear from God um, and be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, whether you are, you know, seminary trained or whether you're a child and, you know, my seven-year-old is reading her Bible and is being led by the Lord. And so I think it's, it's requiring us to just wrestle with some of those concepts. And um, so, yeah. So I think that's a really great insight. 
that we didn't just one day read the Bible and say, wow, we're not doing this the best way. Um, it was a process of us just having to humble ourselves before the Lord, acknowledging some things that were like, well, that thing wasn't necessarily bad. And I always made an argument for it when people challenged me on it, but was it the best thing? And I think of C.S. Lewis's quote that good is the enemy of what is best. And I think we, we know that the church in the United States and the West in general is uh, its percentage of, of the population is shrinking. Um, and we are typically not reaching unchurched people and churched people are continually feeling isolated. And one of the things that happens is they're looking at scripture and saying, wow, if I just put everything aside and I read here in Acts, what's happening there just isn't happening in most modern churches. And that's another challenge I'll put forth that I had to put forth to myself that really was impactful over time is that I just said, well, if I was just on a desert island, found a Bible, trusted Jesus, read through it, got really excited, and then a ship found me and brought me back to the United States and I entered into a church, I think I would look at it and be like, wait, what? What is this? Um, and uh, so I think that's where that, that idea that this is a process and that we seek the Lord um, and we have to be okay with what he's trying to teach us through the word. Well, um, and that's and it, that story is funny because we've actually just talked to a missionary who, you know, their kids were raised in another country where church looked a lot different. And then they showed up here at a traditional church and their kids were like, what are they doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, it actually yeah. happens. And well, yeah. We, we have people involved in uh, our church plants, and I also talked to one of the guys at We Are Church who, were, who had, were gang members who got saved in prison. And what they understood of both gang life and then reading scripture and saying, like, wow, the, the support and structure and family I had in the gang was manipulative, but they were there for me. Mm -hmm. And so then they said, wow, how great it's going to be when I'm in a church family where we have each other's back on that level and how great it's going to be. And, and a lot of them get really discouraged because they're like, man, this is, it's not what I thought it would be. Like, this is not what I saw in the Bible. It's not even, many of them would say, this is not what I experienced in prison where I had a family of God there that really did watch my back. <laughs> and, um, and so I think it's worth just acknowledging that, hey, we have to be honest and say, we aren't necessarily living up to what is both prescribed and described in scripture. And so when we're in that situation, we just have to humble ourselves and let the Holy Spirit direct us and form us in accordance with God's word. Um, yeah. I kind of feel like acknowledging another thing, just uh, from the perspective of, of a career pastor, Right. Like I, I went to school to be a pastor. Um, I studied. I was involved in academics, still am. And so it's a hard thing when you start thinking about a decentralized church model where there is not a central pastor who spends 20 to 30 hours a week prepping a sermon and another 20 hours organizing the presentation and the leadership of the church. And you start thinking like, well, what place will I have in that? And then you start thinking, how am I going to be paid? Because it just some really heavy questions start getting asked. And I know that was one of the things that was hard for me. When I first started looking at this, I'm like, well, how am I going to feed my family? 
How am, how am I going to make money? I've dedicated my life to this. What, what am I going to do? And there's no denying that's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say it kind of comes with some of the trust. The Lord has allowed us to have more time for ministry and we're in a better spot financially now as I'm not living entirely off of a church salary. Yeah. I was just right as you were saying that I was thinking we should talk about the cost associated with this, Mm -hmm. like not necessarily, well, some of it is financial, but it, there is a cost and it is scary. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why we get met with such like weird stares. Like it's so countercultural in (laughs) our culture right now. Um, And so, yeah, that piece, I would say, you know, we have struggled for years um, with that. And it's yeah. just been recently and we still struggle because we're both, we both own our own business. And if at any time those businesses could go through, you know, tricky times and they have. And um, so it, by no means are we, you know, living high and <laughs> not worrying about yeah. things. Um, but well, I, and I would say the worry would be probably one of the things that we have to lay over to the Lord that, you know, he has yeah. called us to this. This is not something we would have ever chosen and he has provided and he gives us the, the faith and he yeah. blesses us. It's been really, really cool to see. But that's coming out of a really, you know, dark season. And I know for you, I think I, think I just want to acknowledge, like, that was huge. I mean, we, we were tempted. There were lots of churches who wanted you and continue to be because you're an amazing speaker. You have such a pastor's heart. You have the gift of knowing how to defend the faith. You know a lot about apologetics um, and there aren't many pastors out there like you. And so there's, I mean, there are still people coming asking you to be on their church boards and, and to take over and all of this stuff. And so it's yeah. been tempting and there were days where we're just like, let's just forget it. Let's just do that. And like, just see it as a job and go and whatever. And then, I mean, we made the pro cons list. We've done everything. And in the end we said, we can't do it. We've been ruined. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're ruined we, for regular church. We can't church now. do it ever again. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, yeah. and I think you know, kind of coming back to this concept of the, which is what we're really talking about in general, but this concept of the church's family, that one of the reasons why we're ruined for regular church is because we have tasted church family, mm-hmm. where people bear our burdens with us, and where. Um, where we confess sins to one another and where elders of the church lay hands and pray for healing and people are healed and where people are coming to Christ and we get to really see it. Um, You know, you, when you hear about somebody having a cool story, that's really great. It's another thing when a family member changes and you say, wow, that person walked from death into life. They, the, the Holy Spirit's in them and they used to be terrible and now they're filled with the spirit and it's amazing. And the people we have seen come to Christ, we got to see that change, um, which is completely different. When I was in regular church and it was like, well, that person raised their hand or they filled out this comment card that says they got saved, but then we'd never hear from them again. And we'd be like, well, did anything really happen there? Or sometimes we would hear from them again. And I was still would say, did anything really happen there? Right. Um, and we get to see where not perfect, but we've seen people come to Christ and have major turnarounds and we've seen fruits of the spirit and that you get to see that in a family. You get yeah. to see Jesus lived out 
because it's being lived out in a household, you know, yeah. and we, we, we hear about church hypocrisy and people are like, you know, kids who grew up in a church and they're like, well, my dad was a pastor, but he wasn't like that at home. He was a complete jerk and it was terrible and he was abusive. Um, in a house setting, yeah, stuff like that could get covered up, but it's a lot harder because you're seeing people as people and Jesus is either followed or he's not. Well, and I think that's a really important piece too, because we, I remember struggling in the beginning, this church's family thing was kind of, um, almost idolized. And I remember kind of when we came back to it and really felt like that's what the word is talking about, that we live day to day, like family. And I was really like, no, nope, doing that because that didn't go very well, you know? And so we've had this conversation of like, how is it different? Because you will hear in a lot of like mainstream Christian stuff, you know, that we're family and we need to get together and talk and, you know, really confront people and all of this stuff. And, um, I mean, what would you say, hopefully not putting any spot, but like, what would you say is the difference between that kind of church's family and what we're talking about? Like the whole well, living life together. I, I hate that phrase. I'm sorry, but, um, yeah, I do too. But I just, I think it's been used in ways that are not like in yeah. my spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit was saying, no, that's not what we're doing. And I don't know that I had the words back then to really verbalize it. But now I know, I, like, how would you describe that? Well, uh, I have a few thoughts on that. One, there is a very significant difference between friendship and family. Friendship, uh, when people talk about doing life together, Almost always, it's in the context of, I just want to be around my friends more. And you'll see in a lot of churches that have small groups ministry, they're based around stage of life or they're based around uh, mutual interests. And so it's kind of a glorified club. And it's not really against that. It's, it's fun to be around my friends. But what ends up happening is we, we associate ourselves with the people that are like us. And you'll consistently see um, those tend to be all one uh, ethnicity, um, all one age group. You don't get a lot of age diversity. And a lot of people say, no, 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 we're trying for that. And I'm like, but you're, you're not. Um, and so I would say that's a big part of it. It's not just being around friends. It's, you know, I'm born into a family. And in that family, there are people of all different ages. We see uh, Paul and Galatians talk about, hey, there's neither slave nor free. Uh, June or Greek in Christ, we're all together. And so we see diversity. We've, blessed been, we've been blessed to see a little bit of that in our church and we're digging it. Um, but in a family, you're going to have all ages. And so it is in a house church. And it's not going to be, let's get together and talk about all the things that we all like because we all share this thing in common. It's we're getting together. And the one thing we really have in common is Christ Jesus. And so I think that is a, a, a not so subtle difference is that a lot of the doing life together people, and, that, and a lot of them mean well, some of that's really fine, but a lot of times it's a, let's hang out and have fun, and we'll just be really close friends. And what God's calling us to is not friendship, but yeah. family. And certainly that's involved. You build friendships. Um, and then I would even say there's a lot of traditional churches that'll say, we're trying to do that, we're doing that. And I'm like, yeah, but are you really facilitating that at the deepest level? And ultimately... Outside of the staff, they almost always have to be honest and say, man, we're really not doing that. And sometimes not doing it because when somebody's in crisis from your church, they call me. 
They don't, <laughs> they don't go to your church for help. They don't go to be. And, and so it's funny when there's somebody that has sinned to be confessed or whatever, they call people who have treated them like family rather than their church leadership. And I say that that means your church is not being a church fully. And I try to say that as gently as possible, but we've just got to face that reality that if somebody goes through a crisis or they're fallen into sin and their reaction is not to call someone in their small group or to come before the body and say, guys, I'm struggling, and they go to someone else, then that someone else is their actual church family. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's what we need to just be really honest yeah. about. And, um, yeah. Um, so Yeah, I was going to – can I go – somewhere else I, the other piece was sure. the, the yeah. number one complaint i hear about the whole house church thing and it was my complaint for a long time and sometimes it will still be a complaint is <laughs> children's ministry and <clears throat> we've had yeah. a number of people well i wouldn't say a number but it's a few a handful of people that have come through our ministry and then we lose them to the larger church with the really fun youth group and the awesome kids ministry and that's been a tricky mm -hmm. thing and i especially for us um well anyone with little kids but i think especially for us because of some disability um which we also would throw into the whole diversity piece um you know it's mm -hmm. a it's a huge need in our in our churches both the family of disabled as well as the individual who has a disability but anyway so um you know how would you talk about kids ministry <laughs> so i'm glad you asked and i actually think we need to do a whole podcast on that but I think there's a couple of things to point out. One is that for all of the money and time invested in children's ministry and youth ministry to make it as cool and exciting as possible. And so people have really done some great stuff and there is some great work out there. But for all that effort, the statistics are in, the numbers are in. We know that it is, it is absolutely not effective to make lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. We are dealing right now with mass exodus of all the people that were our age that grew up in the really cool kids ministries and the really cool youth groups. And so one of the things I like to say is like, hey, it might look cool and your kids might be entertained, but it's failing. Yeah. And, I, and that's not to say that there's not some good stuff happening. I don't want to just like blank it out, but we, we just need to acknowledge you might get them to go right now. It doesn't mean they're going to be following Jesus for life. And a big part of our ministry is even following up now with some of those kids that grew up in those youth groups or went to those Christian schools who are calling us now saying, like, I don't know if I believe in this. And it's only now that we're discipling them. And uh, so I would say having a cool kids ministry and a cool youth group doesn't mean your kids are being discipled. Right. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is I'm borrowing this totally from Francis Chan, but when I spent some time at their, um, they have a church intensive that I highly recommend where you just go and hang out with their elders. And we're spending a lot of time with their elders and Francis comes in for a little bit of it. And I asked him, I'm like, what do we do with kids ministry? Cause we haven't figured it out. And I would say that was, it was years of us just saying, this just doesn't seem quite right. And I talked about our special needs son and how he disrupts and it's noisy and other kids disrupt. And I'm like, how can we have a meeting? And um, and Francis was like, hey, man, he's like, I don't have like this answer for you. He said, but when I think of special needs families, I'm always amazed at the level of patience and godliness I see in the siblings of that kid. Um, and he says, why not invite your church family to be sanctified in the same way? 
It's like the goal is not to have this flawless meeting. The goal is for you guys to be a family. And so something, there was a breakthrough mm-hmm. for us when we said, not just regarding special needs, but family as a whole, that we say, hey, the kids are just part of what we're yeah. doing. And so we, we've put it on parents and we've said, it's your job to disciple your kids. And it's us as the family, to su- the church family, to support that. And so and we'll talk more about what we do in the gatherings, but the simple answer is like, it's just like any other family get together. They're there, they run around, they make noise. Sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they're playing in the next room. Sometimes they're contributing and they're sharing. Uh, and sometimes they're rambunctious. It's a family get together. And so we really, we'll have to go into that in more detail later, but um, I think it's worth pointing out that what seems like really great kids ministry, the evidence is in and it's just not effective. Yeah. And what we do know is effective is discipling children. Yeah. And so we got to go into that more later, but it is all related to this church's family yeah. thing. Um, anything else wrapping up? Um, Cause we've, we've gone over on our time, but anything else you have that we just, we want to make sure we cover. Nope, I think that's it. That was good. Cool. All right. The, the last thing is, as we're just closing out, then I want to tell people, if you feel like church has not been family to you, there is hope because Jesus designed the church to be a family and there are families of God out there. And so we're going to talk about it. Feel free to reach out to us and we will be happy to help you in any way to make you into a house church family. Um, either way, um, looking forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Bye. Mommy.